Knowledge alone isn't enough. We have to actually use our spiritual weapons if victory is going to be ours. This message is the second in the series, Think Thanks. The message is entitled, When You Lose Your Praise, Part One. Here is Pastor Dale O'Shields. Hi, Pastor Dale here. Welcome to church this weekend. So very glad to have you. If this is your first time with us, we want to welcome you. If you're a regular, welcome back as we take time in these next few moments to study God's Word. Would you join me in a word of prayer together? Father, we thank you so much for the opportunity that we have today to study your Word. We're grateful for the Word of God and how it teaches us and trains us. Speak to every heart and every life today, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. We're involved this month in a series of messages entitled, Think Thanks. Would you say that phrase with me? Think thanks. Those two words really do go together because you can't be a thankful person unless you're a thinking person. And actually one of the original meanings of the word thanks started with the concept or the idea of thinking. And so thinking and thanking really do go together. I believe one of the challenges that we all have as individuals is a challenge of staying positive in negative times that when things become difficult and challenging, we have the tendency to sort of go south in our thinking, south in our emotions, and we find ourselves in a place perhaps of grumbling and complaining rather than giving thanks. See, the Bible teaches us that there are two primary things in your life that you need to pay close attention to, that I need to pay close attention to, our minds, how we think, and our mouths, what we say. The mind is so important. We talked about it last weekend. Proverbs 4.23 says, be careful what you think because your thoughts run your life. And so how you think about life runs your life. And then your mouth is so very important as well. That's why the psalmist David was reminded of the fact that in his prayer, as he cries out to God in Psalm 19, verse 14, may the words of my mouth and the meditation of my heart be pleasing to you, O Lord, my rock, and my Redeemer. David realized that he needed to make sure that his mouth spoke things that were honorable to God. And so your mind and your mouth are vital to where your life goes. What you think about and what you speak are vital. So therefore, we see the connection between thinking and thanking. Now, part of thanking involves something called praise. And I want to bring your to your attention this word, this idea, this concept of praising God. All through the scriptures, you will see quite often the concepts of thanking God, being a grateful or thankful person, linked with the idea of praising God. They go together. And so thanking God and praising God are sort of a package. They're tandem in how they work. Let me take you to a few examples of this in the Bible. First Chronicles chapter 16, verse 4 says, He appointed some of the Levites to minister before the ark of the Lord to extol, thank, notice this, this, and praise the Lord, the God of Israel. So you see the connection between being a person of thanksgiving and the concept of praising God. Second Chronicles chapter 20, verse 21. After consulting the people, Jehoshaphat appointed men to sing to the Lord and to praise him for the splendor of his holiness as they went out at the head of the army saying, notice this, give thanks to the Lord for his love endures forever. There you see again the idea that thanksgiving is an expression of praise and praise is a dimension of thanksgiving. The psalmist said in Psalm 69, verse 30, I will praise God's name in song and glorify him, notice this, with Notice that word, thanksgiving. You see them linked together. Psalm 100, verse 4 says, Enter his gates with 
thanksgiving and his courts with praise, give thanks to him and praise his name. What I want you to see is again this, this inextricable connection between the idea of praising God. You cannot be a praiser of God until you learn how to thank God. And then in the New Testament, Hebrews 13, 15 says, through Jesus, therefore, let us continually offer to God a sacrifice of praise the fruit of our lips that openly profess his name. And so you again see that the fruit of our lips is an offering of thanksgiving and praise to God. So to truly give thanks, you have to become a praiser. And when you praise God, you are giving thanks. So thanksgiving and praise go together. This is vital for us to understand. I'll tell you why. Because one of the designs of the devil in your life and my life is to rob us of our thanksgiving and to rob us of our praise. And when you lose your praise, when you lose your thanksgiving, a lot of very negative things begin to happen in your life. What does it mean to lose your praise? It means that you, you cease to acknowledge God in the way that you should, that you cease to honor him with your words and with your life in attitudes and actions and your conversations. And you, you, you sort of lose that perspective of giving an ongoing sense of thanksgiving to God for his goodness in your life. You lose your focus, your focus drifts from God. As I mentioned a moment ago, moment ago, there's some very negative things that happen to us when you and I lose our praise because praise is vital to thanksgiving and thanksgiving is vital to life. You'll never be the full person that God wants you to be and have the attitudes that God will want you to have unless you learn to be a person of thanks and learn how to praise God in the midst of that, how to develop an attitude of praise toward him. So today I'm gonna to talk to us about how to move forward, how to be aware of some of the things that rob us of our praise and what happens to us when our praise is robbed, when our praise is taken away from us, as the title of today's message is, when you lose your praise. Now I'm gonna break this message into two parts. We'll look at uh, the first part this weekend and Lord, Lord willing, we'll look at the second part next weekend. So today I'm going to just talk to you about three things that happen to, your, to you in your life, to me, when we lose our praise. Number one, when we lose our praise, we're nagged by something called discontentment. That's the key word. Anytime you lose your praise, you're nagged by discontentment. Let's pick up on that word nagged for a moment. Have you ever had something nag you? People talk about having a nagging, aching pain in their life or a, a nagging circumstance. Hopefully it's not your spouse that we're talking about today. But to nag is to be a persistent source of annoyance and distraction. It's to keep in the state of troubled awareness and anxiety. It's to keep you stirred up. Nagging is to irritate. It's to gnaw away at your life. And when you and I lose our praise, what happens is something very, very negative starts to nag away at us, to eat away at us. And it's something called discontentment. And discontentment is a very destructive thing in your life. Discontentment is a restless desire or craving for something that you don't have, that you're discontent, you're restless, you're dissatisfied, you're disgruntled about life. Perhaps you're even rebellious because life hasn't treated you the way you thought it should treat you. You find yourself that you're, that, that you're in a situation where you're ungratified, nothing can make you happy. And so you live in this perpetual sense of a lack of fulfillment on the inside. You are unhappy, you are discontented. It's to long for something you don't have, something better, at least from your perspective, that you feel like you're presently missing in your life. Now, discontented people, they have the tendency to externalize their life. They find their happiness and fulfillment 
pinned to external circumstances and oftentimes pinned to people in their life. And that their circumstances and certain people then become obstacles to their happiness. If my circumstances are not working the way I want them to, then I refuse to be happy. Or if I don't have people responding to me the way that I want them to respond to me, then I choose the pathway of unhappiness. And ungrateful people, they're just, just never satisfied. They're always looking for that magic pill, for that right person, for that right opportunity, for that right situation to make them happy. And the devil, Satan, loves to use discontentment in our life. And when you and I lose our praise, we by, by nature become very discontented. I'm going to talk to you about Genesis chapter 3 for a moment. I'm not going to read the entire passage for you, but you might recall it. It's the time of Adam and Eve and how they fell in the Garden of Eden as they sinned against God. God had put them in the garden and said, you can eat of any of the trees in the Garden of Eden, but don't eat of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, because the day you eat of it, that's, that's the day that you're showing that you're disrespecting me. You're dishonoring me. You're dishonoring the one commandment that I've given you. Eat of all the other trees, but not that one. Well, Satan comes along, and what do you think Satan does? Satan turns Eve, Adam's attention toward the very thing that God said they could not have. God said, look, I've got plenty to make you happy. You don't need that to make you happy. And Satan comes along and says, you don't need what God says that will make you happy. You need this one tree. This one tree will make you happy. And there in that moment, what Satan did is Satan planted the seed of discontentment in the heart of Eve and ultimately the heart of Adam as well. And because of that, it broke their fellowship and broke their relationship with God. I believe that one of the, the key characteristics in our culture today, and certainly one that you and I deal with from time to time, perhaps consistently or regularly in our lives, is the spirit of discontentment. And when what, what praise does is praise battles against the spirit of discontentment. But when you lack praise, it opens up the opportunity, the door, we might say, for the adversary to come in and say, you're never going to be happy with what God offers. You need this. You need what the world is trying to offer you. You need what other people are trying to offer you. You need what you want in your own life to fulfill you. And it builds this mindset of discontentment. And discontentment nags away, it eats away at you, it gnaws away at the joy of your life. And so to be a praiser, praise actually battles, as I said a moment ago, it battles discontentment. And the lack of praise opens the door for discontentment in your life. And that's a terrible place or a terrible way to live. The second thing, as you're taking notes today is this, when you lose your praise, the second thing that happens to you is you're tortured by envy and jealousy. Those are the two words that I want you to pay attention to as a second point, as we're focusing on this second point together. When you lose your praise, there are two things that torture you. See, a moment ago, we talked about being nagged by discontentment. Now I want to talk about being tortured by envy and jealousy. I promise you that jealousy, envy, envy, jealousy will torture your life. The word torture is, uh, the concept of torture is considered a terrible thing. It's actually a very sad thing to think of someone being tortured. I remember reading certain stories or hearing certain stories about uh, the former Gen Senator John McCain, the, uh, the, the, the late Senator John McCain, how he was 
tortured for five years during the Vietnam War and what was called the Hanoi Hilton and all the things he went through those five years, and the terrible kinds of things that happened to him as a POW. And often these kind of things are, 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 are presented as, as pictures of war and what happens as a consequence of war, people being tortured in their life. It's a very sad way to live. And when you and I lose our praise, when we give up our gratitude, we open ourselves up to being tortured tortured by some twins, and the twins are envy and jealousy. As soon as you stop your thanksgiving, as soon as you pull back on your praise to God, you've just now again not only opened the door to discontentment, but you've opened the door to envy and jealousy. They're again twins, they're very closely connected. They're, they're a little different, uh, some uniquenesses to both of these, but they're very closely connected. What is jealousy? Jealousy by nature is actually the fear of losing something you value to someone or something else. You have something and you're holding on to it and you don't want anything to take it away from you. Envy is desperately wanting the benefits or the possessions or the opportunities that someone else has. Can you see how discontentment leads to jealousy and envy? Envy again says, I've got to have what you have. I'm not going to be happy unless I have what you have. I deserve what you've received in your life. Your benefits, your possessions, your opportunities really should be mine. Now, both of these, jealousy and envy, are based in one simple thing. Actually, it's a combination of things that go together, fear and insecurity. It's a lack of trust in God. And thanksgiving and praise will focus you on the blessings that you have and the one that gives those blessings to you. But when you lose your praise or when you give up your gratitude, you lose that focus. You lose the focus on what God has given uniquely to you. You move from seeing the good you have to the fear of losing whatever you might possess to something or someone else. And you also become acutely aware of what you see that is good in other people's lives compared to your own. I mentioned this a bit last week in the message series, and we'll repeat some of these concepts uh, over, over time as we're going through this series together because we need to be reminded of these realities. But here's the thing, comparison is such a terrible trap for us to fall into, and that's what envy and jealousy does, especially envy, it puts you in that trap of comparing yourself with someone else. And as soon as you give up your thanksgiving, as soon as you stop being active in the way you're living your life with a, an attitude of gratitude and a spirit of praise and worship to God, you've now opened the door for jealousy to sneak in and envy to find its way inside of you. And you turn your focus away from God and all that God has done for you and all that God is doing for you and all that God has blessed you with. And now suddenly I'm looking at other things that I don't have and wish I did and maybe somebody else has that out. No, I envy them. I've got to have what they have. The Bible tells us that envy and jealousy, when it finds place inside of you, it leads to no good place in your life. Listen to the Apostle James as he makes this declaration about a variety of things, but he includes jealousy and envy in his description of what happens when it becomes a part of our lives. James 3, verses 14 through 16, and I'm reading from God's Word translation. But if you are bitterly jealous, notice that if you're bitterly jealous and filled with self-centered ambition, don't brag. Don't say that you're wise when it isn't true. That kind of wisdom doesn't come from above. It belongs to this world. It is, notice this, it is self-centered and, you notice that next word there, what is it? It's demonic. It's it's propelled by and it's fed by the world of darkness. 
Wherever there is jealousy and rivalry, that's envy, there is disorder in every kind of evil. Anytime that jealousy and envy finds its way into our lives, it opens the door to lots of other very negative things. When you lose your praise, I promise you, you're going to be nagged. It's going to gnaw away at you, nagged by discontentment. You'll never be happy. You'll always be looking for something to fulfill you because your focus has shifted from God. And when you lose your praise, I promise you, jealousy and envy will start torturing your life in small bits and pieces here and there until it takes over and all kind of evil things come out of jealousy and envy in your life. The third thing that we want to talk about today is this. When you and I lose our praise, we become very vulnerable to something called materialism. To be vulnerable, vulnerable means to be susceptible to something, especially if you're, let's say, for example, you're vulnerable to a particular kind of disease. It means you, you're very susceptible to the harmful influences, the experience of that catching that disease, experiencing that downturn or that, that negative experience. You're, not, you're susceptible to it. That's what vulnerable means. You cannot appreciate the phrase vulnerable to materialism, as I'm talking about here, unless you understand what materialism is and the dangers of materialism. And when you study the concept of materialism, there are two basic ideas connected to materialism. I'm going to focus primarily on one, but I want to bring both of these concepts to your attention. What is materialism? And why is when you lose your praise, why are you and I vulnerable to it? Well, first of all, materialism is this philosophical belief that only the real, the things that are really real in life are the things that are material. There's no supernatural, there's no God. That, 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 that really this materialistic philosophy says, well, all there is is what I can see. If I can't see it or touch it, it's not real. And so we live our lives as though God doesn't exist. And so when you and I cease our praise, we start living life as though God doesn't exist. We live from a materialistic philosophy of life. The other concept of materialism is the measuring of your life's value or people's value by their material possessions. The basic equation of materialism from this aspect of the concept is simply this. Your net worth is what equals your self-worth. We put those two together, that my self-worth is going to be measured by what I have in my life, the car I drive, the clothes I wear, the house I live in, the substance that I possess, the money that I'm able to accumulate, that all those things in life define me and make me either more valuable, worth something, or the opposite of that in our mindset, our self-concept, again, based in what we have. So materialism is living life as though God didn't exist. Everything, the only thing that's real is what you can touch and see and feel with your five senses. And materialism is basing your life upon your material possessions. My worth is linked to what I possess. When you lose your praise, you're vulnerable to both expressions of these, as I mentioned a moment ago. When you lose your praise, you're vulnerable to, to living life apart from God, and you're vulnerable, vulnerable to start defining your life on the basis of what you possess. Jesus warned us about this. I want to take you to Luke chapter 12. And actually, in Luke chapter 12, I'm going to uh, read a number of verses because it's a great story that Jesus gave us, and it really brings this point home about this idea of being vulnerable to materialism. Then he said to them, so Jesus is speaking this word, these, these words, watch out, be on your guard against all kinds of greed. Life does not consist in an abundance of possessions. And he told them this parable. 
The ground of a certain rich man yielded an abundant harvest. He thought to himself, what shall I do? I have no place to store my crops. Then he said, this is what I'll do. I will tear down my barns and build bigger ones. And there I will store, store my surplus grain. And I'll say to myself, you have plenty of grain laid up for many years. Take life easy, eat, drink, and be merry. But God said to him, you fool, this very night, your life will be demanded from you. Then who will get what you've prepared for yourself? This is how it will be with whoever stores up things for themselves, but is not rich toward God. Jesus said, don't live for the material dimension of life. Understand that life is far more than what you possess. And as soon as you and I lose our praise, we are vulnerable to the spirit of materialism. The world in which we live is captured by materialism. Living life as though God didn't exist and basing their worth upon what they possess. Their value is based upon their status in life in terms of possessions, influences, prestige, all those kinds of things. And Jesus said, that's not what life is all about. Why is it so important, dear one? Why is it so important that we not lose our praise? It's important because when you lose your praise, you're gonna be nagged by something. There's gonna be that nagging little voice, that gnawing little thing inside of you that's always driving you toward discontentment. Nothing will ever really make you happy because you haven't focused your attention upon God and you haven't offered him thanks and praise. And when you and I lose our praise, we begin to be tortured by looking around us. We become envious and jealous of those people. We live very fearfully in a very insecure kind of life because we're really focusing outwardly and externally rather than focusing internally and upwardly in our relationship with God and honoring him for what he's done for us. And when you and I lose our praise, we become very, very vulnerable to living a life based upon what is material, what we can see, and touch and feel and smell and hear the world around us, excluding the realm of who God is and the eternal values that are so important in our relationship with him. Can I encourage you in your life? Don't lose your praise. Don't live a life that's discontented, that's built around envy and jealousy, that is built around materialism. It's a sign that you've lost that perspective with your, with your mind and with your mouth of offering praise to God. Would you join together with me as we pray together right now? Father, we thank you so much for the opportunity that we've had to take some time in your word today to be reminded of the reality that our praise matters because our praise helps us ward off certain spiritual forces that would come against us. Our praise, Lord, allows us to stay away from this spirit of discontentment and to, to, to defend against the spirits of envy and jealousy and materialism. And I pray that today that we would re-engage our minds and re-engage our mouths, Lord, as being people of thanksgiving and praise to you. We thank you for it in Jesus' name. I'm gonna ask you to stay with me just for a moment as we are wrapping up today's message and perhaps you're watching today and you've never given your heart and your life to Jesus Christ. Today is your day. Jesus brought you to this moment. You're here by divine appointment today because Jesus wants to come into your life. See, to go to heaven when you die, you have to have a relationship with God the Father. To experience the fullness of life here, you need to have a relationship with the one who created you. And Jesus said when he was on the earth, he made this statement in John chapter 14, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No man comes to God the Father except by me. The way to God, the way to have a relationship with God is through Jesus Christ the Son. And today in your own your heart and life, if you've never opened your heart to Jesus, 
That's what you need to do today. Why? Because that's where your best life begins. Your best life begins in a relationship with Jesus. If you're not sure that you've ever done this, or perhaps you are sure that you've never done it, but you wanna do it today, this is your moment. And I wanna invite you to pray a very simple prayer with me right where you are. And you can simply whisper this prayer, you can speak it out loud if you'd like to, but I want you to pray with me these words right now. Let this be the moment that you turn your life over to Jesus. Let's start and pray together. Would you pray these words with me? Start by just declaring the name Jesus. Speak his name, Jesus. He's waiting to hear from you. Jesus, I know that I'm a sinner and I'm so sorry for everything I've done wrong. I'm sorry for all of my sins. Jesus, I believe in you. Tell him that right now. I believe you're the son of God and the savior of the world. I believe you died on the cross for my sins. And I believe that you rose from the grave, that you're alive. Now pray this prayer, say, Lord Jesus, come into my life right now. Forgive me of my sins. I turn my life over to you in Jesus' name. Lord, thank you for each person that just prayed that prayer. Help them now to grow in you, follow you, and serve you for the rest of their days. We thank you for it in Jesus' precious name. Amen and amen. I would like to close today by giving you an opportunity to ask Jesus to be the Lord of your life. Would you pray with me right now? Right where you are, just simply bow your head with me and I'm going to give you a prayer to pray and you can simply speak this prayer out, whisper this prayer out and from the sincerity of your heart, call upon God and I promise you that He will hear and answer you. So let's pray together. Start by simply whispering the name Jesus. Let there come uh, from your heart just the declaration of His name. Say, Jesus. I know that, that I am a sinner, that I have fallen short with you. I'm sorry for all of my sins. Jesus, I believe in you. I believe that you are God's Son. I believe that you are the Savior of the world. I believe that you died on the cross for my sins. And I believe that you rose from the grave, that you are alive today. Now pray these words. Say, Lord Jesus, come into my heart. Come into my life. Forgive me of my sins. Give me a new start in you. I commit my life to you. In Jesus' name, amen. Now, if you prayed that prayer with me, I want to encourage you with a promise from God's Word that says that when we call upon God's name, we call upon the Son of God, there is salvation that comes to our lives. He changes us from the inside out and you become a new creation. All things pass away, all things become new. And that's exactly what has happened to you today. Your next step really is to make sure that you get into a good Bible-believing church. And you begin to study God's Word, get God's Word in you, and to make sure that you get a copy of the Bible if you don't have one and begin to read it. Spend some time every day in prayer. And I would encourage you also to check out the resources on our website that will help you to get going in your relationship with Jesus. You can find them at church-redeemer.org. Get those into your hands. Get started in your new life with Jesus Christ. Thanks again for joining us today. May God bless you, and we look forward to seeing you next time.